Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Checkfront, the booking platform trusted by over 5,000 tour and activity operators around the world. You can start your own free 21-day trial over at Checkfront.com. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Tourpreneur. This is the episode that I really didn't want to record. It doesn't even have an episode number. Um, It is, of course, about the coronavirus and the impact it's having on all of us in the tour business. Joined today by tour industry veteran Peter Syme. How are you, Peter? I'm very good. Shane, yourself? I'm not too bad. You're just back from Berlin, correct? Yes, the Berlin that wasn't the Berlin that became the Berlin. We all went to have a conference the conference didn't happen, last minute cancellations, and then lots of great people put together lots of workshops and things to help the people that did turn up. So there was there was lots of good things happening in Berlin, but obviously a lot of disappointed people as well with the conferences yeah, being what cancelled. Was, what was the general mood? Uh, it went from being disappointed for obvious reasons uh, to being fun because people make the best of a bad situation and then as things got put in order and we started getting workshops going and people were getting lots of one-to-one time with people it went from from being what could have been a bit of a disaster to actually working out quite well but then you had the negatives of obviously people's phones are gone all the time messaging systems gone all the time kind of getting messages back from their business cancellations so it was, it's an up and down roller coaster as it's going to be for the x number of weeks and months going forward. So the people who went, I don't think, regretted going to Berlin because hopefully they picked, uh, got, learned something and, and gained something from it. But obviously people were expecting getting a full conference and it didn't, it didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll say now I feel my heart goes out to team arrival because, you know, this is something that none of us thought was going to happen, right? I mean, I, I, I'm sure they didn't have a disaster recovery plan because we just assumed everything would go ahead. For ITB to be cancelled, first time in 54 years, I mean, just just crazy. Yeah, but we say we should, wouldn't have expected it. And obviously nobody expected the, vi- the virus and exactly what's happened. But we're in the travel industry. And the one thing, you know, and I know for being about the travel industry long enough, is it goes in cycles, boom, bust, but it also goes in cycles of major things happen that cause disruption every so often. Now, we're lucky that often that disruption, be it from natural disasters, 
Uh, medical reasons are normally localised in one area, which is very bad for that area, but the rest of the world carries on. Every now and again, we get one like this, which affects us all. And the last one was obviously 2008. Uh, so we know it's going to happen. We just don't know what's going to happen. So in some ways, companies should, in some ways, be prepared for it. But obviously, it's always a shock when it does happen, especially when it hits you instantly and it's a, a last minute. Uh, crisis situation. Yeah, and it's one of those situations. Once that directive came out from the German health ministry, I mean, there was nothing that ITB could really do or arrival. Um, and we then saw Skift move. I mean, they had a bit more of a lead time, but they moved some of their events as well. I've seen Go West over here in the US. They've moved. Um, so, you know, they had a lot more lead time than ITB and, and Arrival did. Yeah, so, and that's that's yeah. going to be the case. The travel industry is only one of, one sector of society, obviously, and we're always going to take a lead by from the authorities. So governments, health authorities, can controlling bodies, country, country by country, are going to be in the lead on this, and we're just going to have to react to decisions that they come out. We're not actually going to be able to influence these decisions. All we can influence is a reaction to decisions that will be made at a different level. Brilliant. And, and that's what I want to get into with you today because you are a tour industry veteran. You've had highs and lows in this business. You've been through these challenges before. Um, you you wrote an article on LinkedIn that I we shared in the brief and I saw that, you know, it was a, uh, a very popular article in terms of how many people read it. And I wanted to unpack some of that for our listeners who uh, sat at home Maybe their phone is, you know, off the hook with cancellations or the cancellations haven't started yet. But everyone's like, okay, when's it going to come? When's it going to affect us? Because every day, you know, you read the newspaper. I'm, I was just sharing with you offline that I was on hold for an hour and 20 minutes with Air Canada for my flight to London on Sunday. Um, and I'm talking to them saying, well, you know, what's the status? What's the refund policy in case I, in case I need to, 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 to cancel my trip, you know, in cases something happens. So um, I want to unpack this with you. Um, and first thing I, I want to talk about, and we haven't really shared this much on the show, but you were writing about how your time in the British military has helped you deal with disasters and crisis in your business. Can you share a little bit more about that with us? Yeah, sure. The, for obvious reasons, any country's military is there to protect the country, but invariably you get involved in all sorts. But most of the time in the military, you're dealing with crises. And it's it's not a, f a necessarily fun, happy time when you're in the military. It tends to be used by governments to deal with crises either at home or in other people's countries. So you're obviously trained to deal with crises in a pre-planned measure, but also reacting instantly when things when things happen there. And you you go through a, a particular training po uh, process to be able to do that. The first thing is obviously when things like that happen that you don't understand and are unusual, the tendency as a human being is to start to panic a little bit uh, because it's out with your experience, it's out with your knowledge. But if you've had experiences in the past of dealing with it, you know the instant thing you have to do is keep a cool head because you're not going to get any benefit of losing can complete rationale on what's going on. You have to keep a cool, a cool head and assess the whole situation around you. Because if you can't assess the situation around you, you're not going to be able to come up with any plans that's going to going to impact that situation. And in a situation that's chaotic and disruptive and all the things that's going on at the moment and dynamic, and we can come to that later, but the dynamic situation is 
situation of this current virus is probably one of the most challenging things of it. It's not so much like the 2008 uh, financial crisis where after a very quick period of time, you can start making some reasonably accurate forecasts then about what was going to happen, when it was going to bopping out, when it was going to start climbing out. We're in a dynamic process here that's changing on a daily basis, which is very similar to when you're in the military. You're in difficult uh, situations around the world. Things change on a daily basis, influenced by lots of different factors. So you're always looking to stabilise what you can because that's your first objective. You have to have a stable base and a strong base and a strong understanding and a lot of intelligence to work from. And once you have all that in place, you can then start thinking about opportunities and how do we improve the situation we're in. But until you stabilise what you've got and defend what you've got, you're not really Mm. in a position to do anything. And that's what I was trying to get to, that all operators need to really spend time looking at themselves first to make sure they really understand where their stable base is and get a stable, complete holistic overview of their own operations in their own company. Because once they have that, and it will change weekly as, as this goes out, but once they have that, there is a good chance this may not be as negative as a lot of the press and the media uh, is making it out to be. But for sure, for some companies, for some locations, for some destinations, this is going to be devastating, for sure. There's no, there's no way around that. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be devastating for every destination, every country, and every operator. You you talk in your article about assessing where you are, make assumptions that it's going to get worse. Um, so let's run through a checklist. Let's say there's a tour operator at home, already suffered some cancellations, worried about the f- future. What kind of internal assessment can they do of their business? What do they need to be looking at first? <laughs> Like I say, it needs to be holistic, so they need to look at every single part of their, their, their business. Because this is an off and running, well, first thing I would say is they need to get a communication plan very quickly. So if they've got staff working for them, everybody needs to be singing off the same song sheet. So this needs to be in writing verbally to the con- to the staff to give them confidence. You need to stand up and give them leadership, but get something in writing saying, this is our company's policies on this, and this is a method to our customers on this as we stand today. Now, obviously, because I said this is dynamic, that is going to have to be updated on a daily basis. But that communication is a, is a critical thing because without communication, staff are worried and customers will increase the worriedness of the staff because of that. Nothing's really been controlled. So you've got to get the staff on site, get the teams on site and get that communication out there. Once they've done that and you can handle the incoming questions and calls and messages that we're all getting. I mean, I don't believe there'll be many operators around the world who's not getting them at at the moment. You then need to go through each area of your business in turn. I suggest finance is the first one because everybody's going to have different financial positions. Everybody's got different businesses and we know in this massively fragmented industry of ours, they need to really understand the financial position, the reserves and what their cash flow is, what their likely cash flow is, and then take some negative views on what will they do if their cash flow is slashed by 30%, what will they do if their cash flow is slashed by 50%, et cetera, et cetera, because all of these are going to have an impact very soon because where we are, certainly in the Northern Hemisphere, we're just about to start our our season. So a lot of operators will be coming out uh, what can often be a dry winter from a, a cash flow perspective, expecting cash flow to kick in in March and April 
and it may not be coming. So you, you need to really look at your cash flow, your costs of operating, and if that is reduced, what's your fixed cost and what's your variable cost? Some of your fixed costs you're just not going to be able to do anything about. People have leases, legal agreements, rents, all the rest of it. You're going to have uh, finance costs. You're going to have to try whatever you can to keep them going. Variable costs, obviously your variable costs in times like this become critical because you don't spend money unless you've got customers. Fixed costs are your danger here. The more you can change your fixed cost into variable costs, that's a survival mechanism to increase your cash flow. Easy to say, not always easy to do. It all comes down to each individual operator's legal agreements with whatever fixed fixed cost base they've got. And obviously the, the big cost that a lot of the operators have got and the one they'll be worried the most about is the actual team, the people that work for them, salaries to be paid if there's no cash flow coming in. But you obviously you've got good people because it's a great industry and you want to keep good people. And that's the toughest decisions that the operators are going to have to make. So the, the first thing I'd say is the finance. You have to get a financial position because all your other decisions about your operations, about your marketing, about your customer service are going to be stem. Normally, they don't stem purely from a financial position. But in times of uh, disruption like this, the financial position starts to dictate the other positions. And in terms of working with competitors, you touched on this in your article. Yeah. What advice do you, do you have for listeners? I'm a big believer in your local competitors, because we all tend to work in little clusters in this industry. I know there's hundreds of thousands of us and we're fragmented all around the world, but in every destination, there is clusters of operators doing similar operations, be it walking tours, be it cycling tours, be it Segway tours, be it adventure tours, whatever it is, there is tends to be little clusters for the very reason that that destination suits that type of tour. Now, if you have a bunch of operators, be it 10, be it 20, be it 30, all doing similar tours, they've all got similar back-end costs. But in a time like this, you don't want to take your full back-end cost when everybody else is taking the full back-end cost if you have a reduction in numbers coming through at the front end. So what needs to happen is operators sit down with other operators who are in a similar se sector, freely put up their back end. What are they doing with the back end? Are you using buses? Are you using guides? Can you share guides? Can you share buses? And the customer isn't the customers who are still booking and still attending aren't really going to care. They're going to see the front end of the brand. They're going to still get a great experience. If the bus happens to be shared by two two companies, is the customer really going to care? And if it does come out and, the, and it is mentioned, you then make positive of it. Yes, you know what's going on in the world. Our numbers are down drastically. Therefore, we're working with our other operators to, to share the cost of making this operation happen so we can still keep a great service to you, the customer. So there's stories to be made out of it as well. But these costs can be, sub can be substantial. And if operators can work together to reduce them, I know I am. I'm going for a meeting tomorrow with a bunch of operators. And because we need to reduce our back-end costs if there's if there's less people visiting the destination. Have you seen much of an impact in Scotland? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, weirdly, positively and negatively. Uh, obviously, I've got an outbound operator and an inbound operator. My outbound operator has been quite badly hit, like a lot. <laughs> My inbound operator in Scotland, we have seen cancellations today. My office manager was on the phone to me this morning. 
Uh, but all the cancellations we're seeing involve people who were flying in. We're not seeing any cancellations yet from what I call local business. Now, you have to put that in perspective. I call the whole of the UK a local. Uh, so because I know they can get here by train or by car as well as flying. So we're seeing no impact on local business at the moment, but we're seeing an impact on international business. I have a feeling that may be playing out for many operators. It's any travel that is led by flights is the ones you're going to see reductions mm-hmm. in. On the other side of that, we've actually had some bookings that we're going to another destination and we're forced to cancel because they now can't go to that destination. Yeah. So we've lost some bookings and gained some bookings of this. So, so I'll come back to this dynamic situation that that's going to keep rolling as the weeks go by, as new clusters of this virus pop up in different regions. You're not going to get a steady, oh, this country's getting lots of cancellations. This thing's going to be moving about all the time. And it's, it's really tough for travelers. You know, we are looking at this through the lens of tour operators and tour entrepreneurs, of course. But just when I was at the airport ready to fly to Berlin and the news, I was literally at the gate and the news came in, ITB canceled, arrival canceled. And then I thought, okay, what do I do? I still, I love Berlin, right? One of my favorite cities. And I knew people like you were going to be there and, and others. And I thought, okay, I should still go. But then I looked at the news and I saw more cases are being reported and I thought this has come from the German health ministry. Am I being a responsible citizen by putting myself on an aircraft, going through three different airports, right? Yeah. <laughs> to get to Berlin, one of which is Charles de Gaulle. I don't know how many millions go through there. Um, and that was my question. For so was like, on the one hand, I want to support the tour industry, but on the other, it was like, well, should I just stay at home? This is a, and you know, I'm not a scientist at all, but this is a pandemic that's spreading fast. So that was my dilemma as a traveler. No, no, for sure. And, and- as operators, I mean, obviously, all the community of operators are, are working out ways to do the best job they can at the moment to continue serving the customers I've got and to keep their businesses as healthy as possible. But at the end of the day, we don't exist if we don't have customers. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and this, this is a blip. It's a bad blip, and it may be a blip for quite a while, but it is a blip. The travel industry will be here after this is come and gone, for sure. Uh, it will grow rapidly again after this is come and gone, for sure. It may be slightly different. I suspect it will be slightly different. Uh, so this is a blip. So customers have to come first all the time. Therefore, as an operator, you have to put yourself in a customer's posi- uh, position. Now, I'm blessed that I can take a reasonable perspective on most things because I've been trained to take a reasonable perspective on most things. A lot of people haven't done. One of the great advantages for travel in the last 20, 30 years is social media and all this connection we've got and all this reach we've got. That's been a massive positive, and that's why one of the reasons we've had so much growth. But in a situation like this, it's actually a negative because this hyper-communication in the consumer world and the media who are leading in that consumer world are incentivized to go negative. That's just the reality of it. Media sells eyeballs by going negative. They ain't going to sell positive stories at this point, or very few positive stories. I'm sure someday will do a study when this is over, and it will be 80 90% negative against a small percent positive stories. So the media are going to go negative, and that's going to impact the population. We've seen that already. The other negative that's going to happen, operators have to understand, is their customers are going to take information from unreliable sources. 
that. Yeah. There's yeah. plenty of reliable sources out there, and it's our job to try and get reliable sources in front of our customers, the kind of real reliable sources. But the reality is, with all the different websites, blogs, social media, etc., there's going to be so much unreliable sources out there that's going to influence the customer uh, hugely. The third thing is perception from a customer's point of view. If you go to the if you go to an airport and you walk around an airport and fifty to six percent of the people in the airport are wearing masks, yeah. Subconsciously, what happens to your head is you think this thing's a lot worse than it actually is. The reality walking around that airport is you've got more chance of being murdered by a shooting incident or again stepping out and getting run down by a taxi than dying from this virus. But the reality is you're seeing 50% of people with masks, so your brain goes into overdrive and tells you this is really dangerous, much more dangerous than all the other daily risks that we we take without thinking about. So perception is a is, is just a, a bad thing when things like this happen unless you're, you're deal, trained to deal with the perception. And the other thing from a customer's perspective and an operator's perspective is the present always feels more chaotic, unpredictable, unstable. You're in something that just doesn't feel right because yesterday or last week or two weeks, everything was fine and you thought you were in control. When you get in a situation like this, it all just goes up in the air. Yeah. And, and if you take all of that together as an average consumer person that books travel every now and again, that's a lot of stuff for them to take on uh, and still come out the other side, again, smiling, happy. But operators need to understand that as well because that's the situation their customers are in. And it's our responsibility to try and uh, give them the correct information, be that bad information or good information. It's just we have to try and get the correct information out to help the travellers uh, because they are going through uh, unhappy times for sure. Take a day off from answering emails, telling your team what to get ready, or manually entering info across sales channels. Actually, take many, because Checkfront will help manage your bookings. Guests book and pay however they want. Your team has the tools they need to operate smoothly, and your calendar always stays up to date. Now, what will you do with all that extra time? Checkfront, one booking platform, limitless possibilities. Find out more at Checkfront.com. Talking of perception, Peter, um, some good friends of mine are going on a family holiday to to Paris. Uh, they've been saving up for a while. I think there's eight of them going. I can't remember exactly. And what freaked them out, actually, was when the Louvre was closed. Yep. Yep, for sure. And that's why I was saying earlier in the conversation, there's authorities further up the food chain that are going to take decisions that are going to have impacts on all of us at this level of the travel industry. And we haven't got any influence in these things, but obviously you have to be aware and watch because every time one of these decisions happens has a kick-on effect. And location by location, destination by destination, these things are going to start to happen and they will have a kick-on effect. Some of the stuff we can go on to later about how, can, how operators can still keep operating and market, it's a comeback to it. It's going to have to be so dynamic because a decision like that for the local operators round about them would have a dramatic impact on them. And we, we don't, I don't think operators should be wasting any time at, at this stage, or at any stage, to be honest, 
worrying about things and spending any time on decisions that they just can't influence and decisions like that, which are going to come thick and fast, you just can't influence. I, I personally don't think it's the right decision, but you just can't influence it. Yeah. And what was interesting there was I sent a, um, a news article to my friends and said, look, the government hasn't shut down the Louvre. The staff, because it's France, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the staff forced them to close it down. So it's not like the Parisian government said that has to close, yeah. as far as I understand. So that reassured them somewhat. And also what I will say is they called their hotel and, you know, they spent a lot of money on their hotel and the hotel were like, don't worry about it. We, you know, we, we can... Um, changed the reservation for you just give us you know x amount of days notice which i thought was very good yep. um i want I, I wanted to talk to you about pricing because i think that's the elephant in the room for tour operators who are looking at you know maybe high cancellations right now the first knee-jerk reaction is oh i'm gonna have to lower my rates what would you say to that tour operator who sat there considering doing that right now i would say don't just don't do it it's it is the worst thing you can do a uh, now, obviously, it's easy for me to sit here and say that. It's maybe not so easy. I'm getting cancellations the same as everybody else, but I am yeah. not putting my rates down. Uh, if we get up with uh, big, more cancellations, we will adjust our rates, not down. In some cases, they will go up, and in some cases, there'll be added value added into the rates as incentives. Uh, the reality is, if someone is booking and they're still coming, they're willing. they're willing to pay. You're not going to incentivize people who are not going to travel by just reducing the rate. And if people yeah. have, have decided we're not going to that destination, we're not going to travel at the moment, taking another 20 bucks off. And many, you've got to remember in our industry, many, many operators are operating in that 30 to 100 bucks an activity type range. Taking 10 bucks off here or there is not going to do nothing uh, to incentivize anybody at this stage. And if everybody in your destination is doing it, all you're doing is making your li already limited cash flow worse and then putting you in a worse position for when we come out the other end of this, it's going to take you longer to to get out of it. Now, yeah, that's, not, no, that's right. not to say once this is over and we and each destination will get over at certain different times, as the ramp up into the new future world comes and lots of people start traveling again maybe that's the time for some promotions i don't like the word discounts because i just don't like it but maybe at that point is promotions but at the moment full rates add some value in or if you're reducing your product range which i probably will end up doing i will reduce uh, products that we don't sell a lot of and maybe focus just on the products that we do and able to save costs there may be some increases on on them prices because every pound or every dollar or every euro is going to be a prisoner for many, many operators for the next few months. Yeah, I think that's sound advice. And I haven't seen the airlines drop their fares yet. I know they're waiving change fees. Some of them are. Uh, Air Canada are not, I just found out. So, but yeah, so it's not, that may happen. You know, if this gets worse, they may start lowering yeah, their fares. And I think that's... I think airfares will lower longer term, but in the moment, their reaction will be to take capacity out and keep mm. fares high. With a, the, an, an operator should learn from that. If you are operating a yield model uh, and you can take capacity down and kind of and run with limited capacity, you want to keep your your fares and your prices for that limited capacity at the right price. And airlines know this; they've been here before so many times. Yeah. Uh, by be it regionally or globally, they they know this stuff inside out, so they will take 
capacity out, keep the fares high, but at some point when their forward bookings are looking not so great, they will start discounting fares longer term. But you're not going to see that in the next two weeks, I don't think. I think that'll be much, yeah. much longer term out. Yeah. In terms of local marketing, because that's one of the ideas you put forth that we should be doing more local marketing. I know Chris Torres also talked about this in a video he released this week. Um, should we be offering, let's use your word, promotions for locals for booking uh, our tours? Yeah, I think the first thing is an assessment needs to be done for every operator individually again. I know a lot of operators already get some local market, uh, some local business, so they've maybe got a better handle on it, a better idea how to ramp up that local business. I also know a lot of operators, and I was speaking to a lot of them in Berlin last week, that were 100% exposed to international travel business and 100% exposed to people arriving by flights. So it's not so easy just to turn around to these sorry operators and say you need to get some local business when their whole model has not been about local business. And you also then, when you drill into this wonderful world of we've got of all of these different tours that have appeared over the last five to ten years, I I think I said it somewhere, I don't know if it was in that article or no, you're not going to be able to sell a pizza-making experience to a local Italian guy. Yeah. Again, therefore, there is some product sets that operators have that are just not suitable for the for their local market, and that is a reality. And for these operators, they need to, can they have got real problems if they've been been hurt. For those that do have some local business or the ability to have local business, they need to identify some trends quickly, and I'm trying to identify them at the moment, uh, and we'll be able to see it from search trends and marketing trends and booking trends. I suspect local tourism traffic is going to increase in every destination, people will stay closer to home because that's a natural thing to do when people are worried. So you come up with a radius around you, find out if that is a trend that people are staying, and Google Trends will give you some information, local networks will give you some information. If it is a trend that that's happening, you have to react to that trend. Therefore, you get yeah. in amongst that trend and then you start doing promotions for locals to try and drive up that that business. And when I say local, people sometimes get, what is local? In every destination, it's different. For locals, it could be a city, it could be a radius around the city. Like I say, for myself, I count local as the whole of the UK. And so I've got 65 million customers just sitting in, potential customers sitting in England, uh, which are classes local. So each operator needs to make a decision on where that local business is. Don't do anything until you've got evidence of trends, because otherwise you would be burning marketing money on something that may, may not work. And as I said, all euros, all dollars are prisoners at the moment. We do need to continue spending on marketing, but our marketing spend for the next X months needs to be super targeted. And the chances are it's not going to be targeted at the people you were targeting three weeks ago. Yeah. It's it's an interesting one because I this this is quite embarrassing considering the job I do, right? When I lived in San Francisco... I did not go to Alcatraz. And the reason for that was I always thought, oh, when people come visit, I'll take them and I'll get bored of the place, you know, because I'll end up going there 10 times. And what happened was when people came, we either couldn't get tickets or we weren't organized, so I didn't go. And even here in Vermont, there is a brewery tour that I keep saying, oh, I want to go on that tour. I want to go on that tour. And I haven't done it yet. 
That, and I think there is a lot of us out there. I don't that, think that's you. I think that's normal. You don't do the things that are on your doorstep. Yeah. And that is just human. People people get excited about travel because they're going to a new destination. And then that's the, one of the great things about travel. People get excited. The excitement level builds up to it. And it gets even more when they arrive in the destination. But you think you know, you think you own, you know your own destination inside out. The reality is most people don't really know their own destination from a tourism perspective. They know from it from living there. But a lot of the attractions and activities around local areas, the locals just haven't done. No, and I think that I think there's something in that in terms of how entrepreneurs can pro- can promote themselves locally. Um, in order to get people like me to book it, because my 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 stance is always like, oh, it's always going to be there. I'm not in a rush to book it. Uh, yeah. Whereas when you go somewhere for a week, you want to cram everything in. So I think there is that big opportunity. And in fact, Sunday before I go to the airport at Montreal, I said to my wife, well, let's go into Montreal and go on a food tour because I think that's what we can also do as tourpreneurs is 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 book local and and try and see what tours are in our own areas whilst this crisis is going on. So I'm quite looking forward to that. But again, that's Montreal for me is like an hour, hour 50 drive, maybe two hours. And, but I, I still consider that local. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And again, operators, I I know because I've looked at a local before and we focus on it reasonably a lot. I know within 30 mile radius of, of where our operations are in Scotland, we just don't get any business. Within that yeah. 30 mile, now, unless the visitors to that area, then we can pick them up. But we don't get locals within that 30 mile. But the minute we get outside that 30 mile and start getting into the 50 mile radius in cities who may not have heard of us, or that's when we start picking up business. So the closer you are to a, an attraction or an activity tends to be the least likely ones you're going to get. So you're maybe looking at targeting that city that's 80 miles away or 100 miles away and but still within reach for you. But again, each operator is going to have to do this assessment and come up with it and assess yeah. your clients because your, your client profile that you should know from operating may change during these times because maybe you're doing a lot of youngsters, maybe you're doing a lot of couples uh, and you haven't been doing many families but a lot of them families who were going to get on a plane and go away for a holiday maybe ain't going to go on a plane and go away for a holiday anymore. So there may be an opportunity if you weren't doing a lot of families to do a lot of family business. Yeah, and I and I wanted to to finish our chat looking, you know, being a bit positive and, and looking at opportunities. And you set a few of those out. And I think it's important that we share with people who don't know you that you um, you reveal in your article this week that in the 08 financial crash, uh, was it you lost fifty percent of your yearly profits. Yeah, it was over 50 at profit level. It wasn't 50 at booking level, uh, yeah. but it was over 50% at profit level for the simple reason we were heavily exposed to corporate business. Right. We'd, we'd done a lot of events for corporates. We'd built that business up over a few years. In the run-up to the financial class, for those that can remember, money was in pretty free flow. Corporates were spending money like water on fun stuff. Uh, so we we built a nice business on the back of that, uh, and literally, can we did see a little downturn in it pre, as the financial crash started to squeeze. But the minute the banks started going bust, our corporate business disappeared overnight. It was literally off the edge of a cliff. Uh, it wasn't a slowdown; it was a vertical cliff gone. Uh, at that time, we had businesses or offices spread, quite a lot of staff. We had a lot of resources that I knew within 24 hours that we were 
having bigger bills at the end of the month than we were going to have revenue or profit at the end of the month. So you, we had to take actions within weeks uh, of of that of that happening. Uh, and it's just one of these things. You have no choice. When that happens, you have no choice. And like I said, I still think the financial crisis was an easier crisis to deal with than this one because it was, to me anyway, it was pretty straightforward. What had happened was straightforward. And then you could look at the financial markets and you could look at the economies and you could make some reasonably accurate predictions. I think the predictions for this one are harder because of the dynamic nature of it. Then laid across the top, we don't know what our governments and our authorities are going to make with it. And then you're not going to know what destinations on top of that are going to make about it. So there's so many levels of decisions above here that make this, I think, more challenging than the 2008 uh, crash. Yeah, and like you say, there's a lot of armchair in, in uh, air quotes experts out there that are talking about the virus and they're not medically trained. I saw a cracking interview with Jurgen Klopp, the manager of Liverpool yesterday, and someone asked him about coronavirus. He's like, why are you asking me? I'm just a football manager. You know, you should only be talking to scientists who understand this stuff. Anybody tells you that they know everything about this, what's going on at the moment, they don't. They have no idea. We're all in a you can make assumptions, you can make best guess, you can do work, but at the end of the day, this is super complicated. There is no way around around it. This is super complicated. But you can only start to simplify it by taking all the reliable information you can get, ignoring all the bump and all the craziness that's going on, and try to make as accurate as you can predictions on the dynamic, reliable information you've got. But if anybody's telling you the solution, they've been sniffing something because yeah. this is way too complicated to be, again, to just to be, this is what you do, one, two, three. It's not as simple as that. This is difficult stuff. You, you talk about the 08 crisis almost matter-of-factly, but I think most of us in your shoes, certainly speaking for myself, I don't know how I would have coped. I would have been at the bottom of several bottoms of bottles of Glenfiddich for sure. I mean, what, what was your head game? How did you keep sane when this was all happening? Again, I, I come back, I'm lucky in the sense that I had a military background, so I've always went through life that it could always be worse. What we're going through at the moment is bad for the industry, but it's not as bad for those people who have got the virus. So the only important thing in, in life is, are you still breathing? Everything else after that is, is a bonus. So obviously we don't like losing our jobs and financial issues and businesses and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, again, it could always be worse. So I've, I'm lucky I've got that mindset. But it's the other mindset you need is no matter how broken your business is, and don't get me wrong, there's going to be some businesses that are not going to survive this. We already know that. We've seen a massive one in the UK go within the last 24 hours, Fly B, uh, which is the, was the biggest internal airline linking all the cities together has gone. So some businesses are not going to survive this. So I'm not naive enough to think positive thinking is going to get you out of this because for some businesses it's not. But for a lot of tour operators and a lot of people we speak to and communicate with and try and help, they're at a scale where they can survive this if they have a positive mindset and they do some of the things I was talking about earlier. Now, I'm not saying they're going to come out particularly great. They're going to probably have to scale down. They're going to have to make tough decisions. They may have to lay off some staff. There's going to be a whole host of tough stuff they have to do, but they will come out the other side of it if they do it. And like I say, travel is a very dynamic thing. It will click in again 
at some point, I can't tell you when that point is, but travel will click in again and it will be bigger than it's ever been. The growth numbers will be bigger than it's ever been. So it's a case of getting to that point when it clicks in again, when your business is in a healthy state and you can make decisions going through. So it's just focusing on what you can do and ignoring all the stuff you can't do. It's amazing how resilient people are when their backs are against the wall. And you don't really find out a lot about people until when everything's good, everything's good. It's only when things are bad, you find out how resilient people are. You find out how resilient businesses are. And one of the reasons a lot of businesses will go down is because they weren't resilient in the first place. They hadn't put the structures in place or just, and I'm not saying they should predict this virus because no, very, very few people predict that. But you do know disasters happen in, in many shapes and forms. So uh, there is an argument, and it's a pretty hard-nosed argument, but it's a true one, came from all economies, that strong businesses become stronger because the weak businesses, it shouldn't really be surviving, get cold when things happen anyway. And this is one of these calls. I mean, the, the, the airline that went out of business this morning should really have been out of business two years ago, three years ago. Uh, it's been a weak business for for a long time now, and this was just the final straw. And we're going to see that, unfortunately, with a with a lot of a lot of travel companies. Yeah, absolutely. And you you actually you know end your article with uh, nine different opportunities that potentially are out there. We won't have time to go into all of them right now, but certainly things like gaining market share, acquisition opportunities. And you write about, you know, oh nine, you purchased um, another operator in different destinations, which would have cost you a lot, you know, more yeah. pre-crash. So, I, you know, I, these opportunities are worth looking at. And I would say to people as well that might be feeling down, especially if the news gets worse, is take a look at these opportunities. And I particularly like number four, which was time about having more of it than we'd planned for. Yeah, for um, sure. It's and it's quite hard, and I totally understand this from the majority of operators. Again, I've been speaking to them last week in Berlin. There was some people in shock and white faces, worrying what to do with. I totally get all of that. And but as managers, owners, and leaders of businesses, you've always got two heads on. You're dealing with what's happening today, and you have to be dealing with what's happening a year, two years in the future. Uh, and it's hard to think a year in the future at the moment. I totally get that. But you, you need to be. Once you've got all of this crisis management stuff in place and you've made your plan and it's dynamic and it can change, you really need to, and you're confident you're going to survive and get through, you then start seeing what opportunities am I going to get out of this as we get through this. And if you're going to have time, that has given you time to come up with these these plans. And it might not be huge things like acquiring businesses and merging with businesses, it, it may just be right, all of that SEO work that I've always put off because it was too intense and too and now you may have the time to do it and and yeah. that will pay back for years and years and years after you, for, I'm not saying you forget about this, but when this is in the back of your mind, that SEO work you did now could still be paying back. So every single operator who gets through this you can either get through it and just carry on as is and start building your business again, or you can get through it and come out the other end and actually rocket fire your business up, stick a rocket under it, because there will be a lot of opportunities. And there is, there is always, that's just the, the nature of things. You're going to see some massive companies sold at the back end of this at values that people were dreaming of. You could never have thought they would go at that value. 
two years ago with some of the kind of valuations that would be put on companies. There's other companies going to emerge in every sector, whether it's operators, whether it's tour operators, big ones, small ones, whether it's technology companies. There's a lot of shakeout coming on the back of this, and it's every owner, manager, leader's decision whether they want to get in amongst that. I believe they should once they've secured the defensive position of getting the business in the best position that it can be in. At the end of the day, this is business. Okay? Business yeah. does this. Every other, we're not unique. Every other industry will be going through similar, maybe not as dramatic because we're at the front end on this one, but other, every other industry will be going through the exact same strategies, the exact same defensive plans and then aggressive plans again, to see how they can best come out of this situation and come out stronger. Well, I want to thank you on behalf of the industry, Peter, because like you said, you, you're suffering with cancellations yourself. You're working against, you know, uh, you know, with this awful challenge that we have that no one could have predicted, yet you've sat down and you've written this very thought-provoking article and not just a wishy-washy article. You actually are giving entrepreneurs a checklist of things they should be doing because I know you know this as well, particularly, you know, tour operators who aren't so experienced. None of us went to school to learn this stuff, right? You know, we didn't go, we didn't get a degree in being a tour operator. So it is difficult. So I thank you for, you know, writing this down, this checklist for everyone to, to go and uh, to study and apply to their own businesses. Cause I think it, it, you're, you're going to help a lot of people out there, Peter, with this. Well, hopefully it's the aim for us all is for as many people to survive as, as all, uh, as can be. And if the one thing, that of all of this, I think if it brings people, I know we're already quite a close industry. People communicate well, yeah. people work with, together with each other, even competing companies already work quite well. But if the one thing that enhances the chances of survival for the majority is by working closer together. So partnerships, cooperation, at, at times like this, partnerships and cooperation between everybody, and sorry, forget about the competition at the moment, just help each other wherever you can at the moment that's what's going to get people through people remember that when you help people when things are bad and you never know what happens two three years down the line <laughs> and you may need Thanks it yourself so. so it's uh it's it's worth helping in partnership and cooperation that's what's going to get most people through and the more people that do that destination by destination in small clusters that's going to help everyone well, Peter's article is titled Disaster is Just an Opportunity in Hiding. I urge you all to follow Pete on LinkedIn. He writes a lot of good thought-provoking stuff and uh, you can check those articles out there. I'll actually add a link to the article in our show notes for today, which will be tourpreneur.com forward slash Peter. Peter, thank you very much for joining us. Good to speak and I uh, wish it was in better circumstances and I wish I'd seen you last week in Berlin, but I'm sure we'll ah. see each other somewhere soon. Hopefully in Phoenix, but you know, you never know. This thing, Arrival are looking at rescheduling Berlin. Who knows? I, I remain optimistic. Oh, we'll be traveling soon. Well, I was supposed to be traveling to Italy next week, but that's not happening now, but I'm sure no. I'll, be tra I'll be traveling soon and we'll meet up soon. We will. Thank you, Peter. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.